Good morning and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research on any topic that can help us lose weight, be healthier, or live longer, better. Today's topic is going to cover a silent but insidious condition that is not widely understood or even taken seriously, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. In a nutshell, like just about everything, it comes down to sugar. Y'all know I am hardcore against sugar. And listen today, and I'm going to give you yet another reason why I say it is the devil with horns. At least 46% of the U.S. population has this unknowingly. First of all, I'm going to cover what non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is, how do you get it, Then I'm going to tell you how to reverse it before it's too late, including supplements that research shows and my clinical experience has proven can really help. Finally, I'm going to give you the opportunity to get my comprehensive program to help you recover if you've gotten that diagnosis and are struggling to know what to do to be successful at reversing this potentially life-threatening condition. Maybe you are one of those people that have either had a CT or an ultrasound and the diagnosis of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, but you don't know what to do. You haven't been given any tools to fix it. I'm going to give you the tools, and if you want more guidance, I'm going to tell you how to get that also. So, do you have a sweet tooth? Americans, and it seems like the whole world, has developed an addiction to sweets and sugar of all sorts. And like any addiction, there are problems, big problems. And yeah, it's sugar. I hear you. Sugar, it isn't so bad. Kids need treats, right? I love my family and friends, so I want to make them desserts and make them happy. And I love this one. Everybody needs sugar. It's what your cells burn for energy, right? Well, You know, my answer is, I guess if you don't care about your liver, but okay, liver disease can ruin your life and kill you. According to the American College of Gastroenterology, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is pretty common. At least 20% of the whole world's industrial population, of course, has it, and Here in the United States, as much as 46% of the population, according to UCLA. Today, due to the poor diet that our kids have, it even affects 10% of our children. So if you see kids drinking pop, eating fast food, overloading on sugar, sugary cereals, you got to think liver disease is developing. Obese children... 38% of them have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. You know, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and up to 80% of adults with obesity have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Some research says that 92% of Americans are metabolically unwell, so it may be an even bigger problem than we know. In the beginning, liver disease has absolutely no symptoms, no clue that anything's going on. Maybe an occasional aching in the lower right rib cage, 
and in early stages, totally reversible. But as it slowly develops, scarring that can lead to cirrhosis and liver cancer and then even liver transplant enters the picture. Okay, so here's some facts. Just as people get fat, so do livers. And this is the same thing as, you know, if you've ever heard of um, a pate, a, a delicacy, liver foie gras, well, basically what they do is they force feed ducks corn and sugar to make their livers fat. It must be delectable to eat, but that's what it is. We are creating foie gras of ourselves. So fat stored in the liver is called steatosis. When there is fat and accumulation, it leads to hepatitis. So then you get steatohepatitis. So fatty liver exists, you know, on a whole spectrum. But then the inflammation and standard tests, lab tests, can't tell. you got to do scans. The most common liver disorder, more common than alcoholic cirrhosis. And uh, just like any other liver disease, alcoholic liver disease or whatever, scar tissue, then it ends in end-stage liver disease and even liver cancer. Liver cancer can even develop in the earlier stages. Okay, because it's inflammation, and that's at the core of every problem. The only treatment for scarring cirrhosis is transplant. And liver transplant for fatty liver was rare just 20 years ago, turn of the century. And now it is a very common reason, but it's going to become even more more of a problem because of the obesity epidemic. When up to 80% of the population is overweight or obese, we got it. So when you hear the term fatty liver, do you automatically assume that evil fat is what caused it? You would be wrong because it's not. It's sugar. And if your triglycerides are high, chances are pretty good they have the same source, alcohol, sugar, fruit, processed food, and obesity. That's it in a nutshell. So this is how it happens. You got to think a little bit about carbohydrate metabolism. And that turns excess carbs into fatty acids so they can be stored in fat for future use. Critical idea here is the presence of excess carbs that set us up for fatty liver disease. Think of it like a factory when you've got all the parts being delivered to the factory and they need to be building a car. But if you get a heck of a lot more car doors than you need to make a car, you're going to start piling them up. But as long as more car doors are delivered, it's going to be a problem. The process is unlimited, so it just keeps piling up the doors or in the body sense, it's building fat in the liver. Okay, it's a big deal, but it's, it's really serious. And sugar is absolutely the worst thing we can eat. It is not a food. It has no nutrition whatsoever. In fact, it burns up nutrients. You've heard me tell you, it burns up chromium, magnesium, all the B vitamins, COQ10 in its metabolism, even more, you know, even more. If you look at the Krebs cycle, It's burning up everything, bringing nothing to the party. New research from Tufts University reveals that 
you're putting your health at risk when you drink one sugary drink a day. They are the major factor for children developing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But our bodies are remarkable. They are designed to survive infections, injury, totally amazing. And when you think about how humankind has survived famine, you realize we are really designed to survive for long periods without food. We haven't always had these mega groceries on the food with all this stuff with barcodes. Back in the day, we didn't even can or ferment to to preserve food. We only ate when it was available, and then we had to wait until it was available again before we could eat. So how did we survive? Well, it's all about biochemistry. Nature has a sort of survival keys built into our body to protect us from starvation and help us store up food for the long winter. Think about a bear. Puts on a lot of weight in the fall so they can hunker down and hibernate all winter when there's no food at all. In the fall, they're going to be eating all the berries and the honey and digging for roots. They're getting nice and plump, eating all the sugars and the starches, and they store it as fat. Gets them through the winter. We are better designed for famine than excess. No question. You know, nature knows that winter is going to be sparse. So in late summer and fall, that's when all the sugary, starchy foods ripen. All the fruit, the squash, the potatoes. Ancient man had to take advantage of the food when it was available. So that was where the fat storage key helped us store it for the long winter months. Important to have before we had supermarkets and the 2,000-calorie meals at the drive-up windows. So first part of the storage key is insulin. When you eat all the starches and, and sugars, raises blood sugar, so insulin is released. Insulin is the fat storage hormone. If you don't need it, if you can't burn it right then, you're going to store it for later. And of course, if you, like we do, have years and years of being stuck in this fat storage, that's where the problems of the chronic health today, weight gain, heart disease, dementia, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. You just think of all the common metabolic problems we have, all goes back to the sugar, plays a major role in why almost 80% of us are overweight or obese setting us up for that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Second key, now this takes a little bit of nutritional biochemistry. Not too deep, but fundamental to know why I say sugar is the devil with horns. So almost all sugar, whether it's table sugar, sucrose that comes from beets or sugar cane processed out, you know, or honey, agave, maple syrup, Blackstrap molasses, coconut sugar, all the sweeteners break down into two smaller molecules. Glucose, which every cell can take up, or fructose. Usually it's about 50-50. You know, so glucose taken up by the cells, fructose can only go to the liver for processing. And that's where it gets sticky, literally. Fructose isn't just in the concentrated sweeteners. It's naturally in fruit and root vegetables, rice, all the grains, all the processed foods, candy, ice cream, breakfast cereals, canned food, you know, sugar sweetened, 
high fructose corn syrup is 75% fructose. And, you know, it's it's been rampant because it is so cheap. They put it in basically all your muffins, your biscuits, your cookies, bread, super high in fructose. And it's sweeter than regular sugar, you know, but has a less impact on your blood sugar, but a huge impact on your liver. And as a side note, gout. Okay. So when there are large quantities of fructose going to the liver, liver can't handle very much. It has a very limited ability to handle fructose. So it stores it for later use, like the bears stored up for winter all over. That fructose is getting stored everywhere, specific to liver. And if you don't burn it, if you're not hibernating, it's going to go on to potentially develop non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So recap, two problems that the excess intake of sugar causes related to insulin elevation and storage of fructose as fat around the liver. So there's some interesting research on why fructose makes us fatigued. Research on mice that were fed a lot of fructose showed they moved less and wanted to eat more. When they measured the hormone related to satiety, fructose shut it down. Those (laughs) real live mouse couch potatoes, they just wanted to eat more and sit around. And then some more research on why it causes brain fog and makes you forgetful. In the Framingham, famous Framingham Harp study of 2017, found that a single glass of juice every day can cause the brain to shrink. And it turns out the more sweet things consumed associated with greater brain shrinkage, lower hippocampal volume, which is where you store memories. It's your hard drive. And poor test scores when it comes to memory recall. Again, associated but not causal. Sure is a smoking gun, though. So non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is compounded by certain drugs. According to Cleveland Clinic, some prescription medications like cortisone. Cardizem, steroids, acetaminophen, and tamoxifen can increase the risk. So if you're taking any of those and are diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you should talk to your doctor because there's no medical treatment for it. Only wait until the end stage and hope against hope for a transplant that are rare. And if you have any other pre-existing conditions, you're not on the list. But you can reverse it. You can easily burn up the fat in the liver. But, you know, not too many people want to hibernate like a bear. And with all the toxins stored in our fat cells, probably not a good idea But to fast. But diet is the key. You have to stop the fat storage in the liver and burn it up. So we need to lose weight safely and eat the right food. So am I a broken record or what? First thing you got to control is diet. And I love Dr. Daniel Amen of the Daniel Plan. Only eat the food that loves you back. Ice cream's not going to love you back, but a delicious, colorful salad with chicken and salmon drizzled with olive oil, that's going to love you back. So only eat the food that's going to love you back. Get rid of all the things that are processed sugar, processed food. Eat a lot of healthy, organic, colorful vegetables, but limit your fruits to one or two a day because they have fructose. 
limit your beans and your grains. Starchies can be a little tricky too. You got to watch them. Healthy fats, extra virgin olive oil, nuts and seeds, clean protein, 20 to 30 grams with each meal, organic coffee, green tea. You can sweeten with monk fruit or stevia. Those are the only two sweeteners I approve. So it comes down to a modified Mediterranean diet. Then you got to sleep seven to eight hours. You got to exercise aerobic and strength training. Really important that strength training improves insulin sensitivity. Fourth thing, stress management. Fifth thing, avoid toxins. In the Endocrine Society 2015 annual meeting, they stated that many chemicals contribute to fatty liver disease later in life, especially when exposures occur before birth. So some supplements, really important. Big scientific review that we find vitamin E, vitamin C, a lot of vitamin D stored in the fat cells, milk thistle, good healthy liver, if you can eat liver, black seed oil, berberine, artichoke, uh, aneto, There's a lot of liver supplements. I love omega-3, resveratrol, green tea extract, garlic, ginger, prebiotics, probiotics, cinnamon, curcumin, quercetin. You know, if you need a specific meal plan, recipes, exercise program, real good guidance, I have just put up a self-guided program on my website that includes an appointment with me. Feel free to go there. I would love to help you reverse this horrible thing. But I have given you the tools here for reversing it. But we don't want you to have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Do not neglect action. I hope you've learned something today that will help you or someone you love. As always, you can go listen to other podcasts on iTunes, or you can go to my website, debford.com, where everything is stored. Thanks for listening. Take really good care of yourself. Your body depends on you.